Switzerland, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. And welcome to another Euro 2020 special. As we look forward to the quarterfinals, Jono, the round of 16 wrapped up Wednesday morning here in Australia. Um, and what a round of 16 we've had. I obviously went through four of the games on our last pod. Um, but then Tuesday morning here in Australia, it was Mad Tuesday. Let me tell you, I've never seen, I can't remember um, a round of 16 morning quite like it. We'll start with Croatia and Spain. And what a bonkers game this was, Jono. Spain running out 5-3 winners after extra time. They were cruising at 3-1. And then Croatia, two late goals by Milislav Orisic and Mario Pasalic, both substitutes equal to equalize for the Croatians. And then Alvarado Morata had to be him. Heavily criticized during the tournament, came up with the fourth goal. And then Mikel Ozebay got the fifth goal for Spain. So uh, quite a game, John, between Spain and Croatia. Yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy game. Um, all drama happened there towards the end of the game when you thought it was over. And as you said, it was great to see that Murata was the one who essentially scored that goal because after the um, criticism that he's been given for his early performances and for his chances that he's missed and everything, and it's not even just him, it's been his family as well, who's received um, a lot of... Um, a lot of harsh words towards them. So it's really good to actually see him be the one who kind of scores that goal. And you know what? He never put his head down in that game, regardless of even some other missed chances or anything, but that game just had everything. And I mean, going into that game, we both said that Croatia and Spain both weren't playing at its best in what we know and love about those two countries. So it was essentially anybody's for the taking, but you thought it was over and you probably could have turned the television off and stopped watching and would have been confident that the game was going to be over. And it was, it was nothing but that Croatia came back and extended into extra time and what a way to do it. And just what a way to kick things off and just, and just in my eyes, just start that incredible day of football. And that was just such a great game. And for those players, regardless if you're um, on Croatia or Spain, I'm sure you're just happy that you were part of such a historic game in that sense, because that game will go down as one of the best games in the Euros history, most likely, because that was just that just had everything in it. And I absolutely loved watching it. It was it was exceptional from my end. It was also a great finish by Avaro Morata. If you haven't seen the goal, a great volley, really finished it with skill. The game was also included an amazing own goal by Unai Simone. If you haven't seen it, uh, Pedri, the, the Spanish midfielder, passed back <laughs> to his goalkeeper and somehow he just missed the ball, took his eyes off it and it's gone straight under his foot, straight into the goal. So uh, it was quite a start to the game. But Jono, it was defense certainly took a, a back foot in this game and it was all that attack by both teams. Usually, I guess, when we get to these latter stages of a tournament, usually it's tight and, and sort of gritty sort of performances by teams to get through and tactics really come into it. But both these teams just went for it. Um, and obviously it contributed to a great free-flowing contest. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of said as well that, you know, everybody saw that Spain in particular was struggling to score goals, but in these last couple games, they've had no no problem with that. And um, yeah, you don't normally see this in, in these knockout kind of stages where teams just go for it. They, As you said, they do normally take a little bit more of a conservative approach because they know that if one mistake can lead to a goal and that could be the game. But in this game, I mean, they just went end-to-end um, and it was, it was great to see that they just both had faith in their attacking power. And that's what they did is they decided we're going to go for this and we're going to take risks. And in the end, 
it rewarded Spain being able to take those risks and make those bombing runs forward and keep attacking. Um, but yes, yeah, Spain, I mean, I, I don't know if maybe the critics kind of got to them and the inability to score goals. They've just kind of turned it on. So we'll see if they can kind of continue that form moving on in terms of scoring goals. You also special mention Pedro, the young uh, Spanish midfield Barcelona player. Um, he's some talent, had a, a wow of a game this one. Definitely. He's going to be some player um, as he gets older. But Spain couldn't score a goal at the beginning of the tournament. All of a sudden, they've scored 10 in two games. So um, they've certainly found their scoring uh, boots at the moment at the right end of the tournament. So following that game, we went to France versus Switzerland. We thought Most people thought this was going to be a French win, a pretty easy French win. Weren't we wrong? What an upset. Switzerland getting through on penalties after the game finished 3-3. France were 3-1 up with 15 minutes to go, and you thought game, set, and match following that poor Pogba strike. And you haven't seen this, some goal by poor Pogba. But then Harris Safarovic scored in the 81st minute. And then Mario Gavronovic equalized in the 90th minute to make it 3-3. We went to penalty shootouts. And there's always... A person that is going to miss, and on this stage, it was Kylian Mbappe who missed the goal for the French. Yeah, what a game that was. And again, as we just said as well, in the Spanish game, you thought that this game was over, and then it was nothing but that. Um, I mean, hats off to the Swiss for just continuing to grind out a result. Nobody, I think, saw this coming. I know we didn't necessarily see this coming going into the tournament as well. Everybody had France as the out-and-out favorites, not even getting out in the round of 16, group stage, whatever it is. They were the out-and-out favorites. And for this to happen is just a complete upset um, in all facets. And it's just crazy to think that this actually did happen in, in, uh, when you look at the two different sides. But hats off to the Swiss. Um, the performance from the French kind of had that up and down where, where it, went in, it went in phases. It, it wasn't consistent enough in my eyes. And it kind of showed as their performance of the tournament overall. They had a couple good games. They had a couple rocky games. I don't think they had that consistent performance um, throughout the tournament. And in my eyes, essentially, this is a failure for France because they should have won this tournament. They, If you're going into this tournament as that clear favorites with the caliber of players that you have, you need to be able to produce. And look, not taking away anything from what the Swiss did, but for France to not have control of this game from the start to finish in the 90 minutes, and we're not even talking, shouldn't have even been to extra time, is a disappointment. And for them to be knocked out in the round of 16 is a failure for France in my eyes. So, but huge congratulations to the Swiss. Hopefully this miracle run can keep on going because I didn't think that they were that strong in the group stage, but, but hats off to them for just doing everything that they possibly can to grind out this result. And, you know, it, end, it ended up going into a shootout and anything could happen in a shootout as we know. It leaves it open and congratulations to them, but massive failure in my eyes from the French team. Yeah, the Swiss were unbelievable. They definitely didn't back down. They they went at the French and they deserved their halftime lead when they went in one nil. And obviously there was that amazing sequence of events when uh, Rodriguez missed the penalty for um, the Swiss to put him two nil up. And then two minutes later, Karen Benzema equalized for the French. And then two minutes after that, they were up two one. So yeah. it looked like then that the French would, um, go on and, and get the victory. But I agree, John. I think overall, France's performance in the Euros as a team wasn't what we expected and wasn't the quality that that team should be producing. Yeah. 
whether that comes down to Deschamps or, or the way the team um, was put together, um, there are going to be some questions, obviously, in the French media about their performances. Um, big players such as Antoine Griezmann couldn't seem to get himself into this tournament. Kylian Mbappe didn't score a goal. Um, so there was certainly something lacking in this French team. The other thing I th- thought they got wrong in this game was why they went for three at the back with Clemon yeah. Longe, who got taken off at half time. He was terrible. He's been poor for Barcelona. He's not a good centre-back. Why did he add Josh Schwartz went for three at the back is beyond me. The other area where I thought they struggled was especially out wide with their wing backs. I thought Pavard was showing up in this tournament. He's not a great defender. He's not a right back. Um, and having Adrian Rabiot on the other side at left, and again, yeah. naturally, not an actually attacking player. Um, so again, Deschamps has some, has some thing to answer. Obviously, he will take them to the 2022 World Cup. He's obviously won a World Cup with them. They won't get rid of him. Uh, but France, there are a few question marks around that team. And obviously the egos too. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard uh, coming out since the losses, it's been some of the infighting with the families up in the stadiums. I heard Adrian Rabiot's mum, who is his agent, was critical of Paul Pogba's parents about Paul <laughs> Pogba losing the ball leading up to the third goal and also apparently criticised Kylian Mbappe's. I had a go at Kylian Mbappe's dad about Kylian Mbappe's ego being too much. So um, as always, the French, they're an interesting camp and and... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from this in the World Cup in 18 months' time. No doubt they'll be there. Um, but how Deschamps gets his team together and, and whether or not he makes a few little changes to to the squad. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the difference, and we've said this time and time again throughout this Euros, is those that play as a team in comparison to those that just play as a bunch of individuals. And this just shows France had on paper, the best team possible. And that's why everybody had them as the favorites. They were also were going in in really good form, but then, you know, it could have been too many egos, too many, too, too many adjustments, all these different things that, that um, combine to the performances that we continue to see. And so for me, when you look at the Euros as a whole, it, they didn't produce much as in terms of what we were expecting. You know, they, they play against Germany. It was an own goal that, that led to that. And they kind of just sat back and took the pressure from Germany. You know, they had um, their scares with Hungary. Um, They had a decent run with Portugal and then they lose to Switzerland in penalties, you know, so it all added up to just showing um, that they, that they weren't necessarily the team that we all believed. And, you know, they had a great, that great world cup run. Everybody thought that, you know, they're going to be the team to beat for the next couple of years and that no one's going to be able to dethrone them but it just shows that you do still have to hold that team chemistry and that team gel to be able to do this. Um, who's to blame for it. I'm not going to point any fingers anywhere because I'm not entirely sure what's happening behind the scenes there. But, um, but let me tell you, I mean, like I said, like we both said, not taking any way, anything away from the Swiss for what they were able to do. But for me, huge failure this year is for France to be that, that regarded as the out and out favorites to then get knocked out in the round of 16, the way that they did blowing a lead like they did as well. Um, so we'll see what's going to happen for this French squad going forward and how they will, will, will be able to combat that because, you know, theoretically those players that were out there are the best players for that French national team. So we'll see how they can make those adjustments moving forward for this next world cup as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, if there are any changes to that French squad moving on the last two games of the round of 16 Wednesday morning here, Australian time. And possibly the biggest game in terms of rivalry in this round of 16, it was England playing Germany at Wembley. And the English, they did enough. It wasn't pretty. They were tight and and took their chances, but they beat Germany 2-0. 
Um, Raheem Sterling scored again. So for all his critics, he um, he scored his third goal of the tournament. And finally, Harry Kane got his first goal of the tournament. Inspired by Jack Grealish coming on that last 20 minutes, he really gave England some drive and some creativity, which I thought was lacking during the game. Again, a game that, that turned on a moment. England 1-0 up. A bad back pass by Raheem Sterling and Thomas Muller was through one-on-one and you'd back Thomas Muller to finish and he hit it wide of Jordan Pickford's goal. England went up the other end, made it 2-0. There was no coming back for Germany. Jono, what did you make of the game? Um, Not as exciting as what we'd come from the last couple of games we'd we'd been treated to, but uh, England just doing enough again. Yeah, definitely um, not as exciting as, let's say, the last two before that. But... um... Yeah, it just came down to, as you said, England doing enough to essentially get through and, and scrape that win. Um, I don't think that either side um, had an incredible performance throughout the game or anything like that. To be fair as well, I was a little bit nervous seeing how Southgate, what squad he put out in the formation in which he put out. Um, I didn't think that we'd see that free-flowing attacking England that we'd all like to see. And, you know, in the end, I'm glad that you know, Sterling and Kane being the goal scorers, that's, I think, huge for their confidence moving forward. In particular, Harry Kane has been kind of criticized a lot this tournament and also struggling a little bit. And then Sterling as well, that he seems to be that scapegoat as, are we going to drop Sterling? Are we not? Now, everybody wants to get on board and have the debate as if Sterling should be playing or not. Um, but for me, the difference in that game was bringing on Jack Relish. So great call to bring him on. He probably should have been brought on earlier in my eyes because he really was that spark. Um and he was a key player in both those goals, 100%. And what he did was he just he just created such a point of difference. And Germany essentially didn't have an answer for him. Um, so I think it was great that he got brought on. Now, I think he needs to be continuing to be played more um, for England because what he does is he gives a point of difference from what everybody else plays like. But um, end of day, as you said, they ground out that result. I, I would have backed Muller nine times out of 10 to make that. This was unfortunately that one time, and that could have definitely changed the game. That could have swung the momentum so much. But then, you know, England got back and just went right back the other way, and then that's when we saw that 2-0 lead, and that's when we knew game was over. Um, so hats off to them. And, um, you know, potentially it might be um, coming home, as they're saying this year, so we'll see what happens. But um, good job to England moving forward and grinding out that result. It could be, yeah. And I think we just got to come to the reality that Gareth Southgate's not going to change from his slightly conservative way of putting his team out. I thought where they did do a good job in them was um, Germany, where they have looked dangerous, is down the side, down their wings, which is where they destroyed Portugal. I thought they completely nullified that area. Um, I also thought Luke Shaw, that was probably his best game of the tournament. And to be fair, Harry Maguire and John Stones looked very solid, along with Kyle Walker in that back three. So... Credit where credit's due. England yep. did enough. But again, this is not a great, this is not a vintage German team. I thought there were flashes. Obviously, Muller's chance. I thought Kai Havertz was probably their most dangerous player. He was the one yep. that looked most creative. You could still, um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's not a vintage German team. And this ends Joachim Lowe's reign as German coach. Uh, he will still be seen as, as a great success for the German team, obviously bringing that World Cup in, in 2014, yep. which was his crowning glory. So, He's done a great job, but it's I guess it's a, a change for the Germans and it'll be a new generation, a little bit of a regeneration for them. Um, so I'm interested to see how they look at the next World Cup, but I will bet you that the Germans will be, uh, they'll be they'll be back bigger and better as always. They always seem to be able to 
churn out the next great team. So um, definitely don't write the Germans off. And in the yeah. last game of the round of 16, it was Ukraine versus Sweden. Sweden went into this favourites. They topped the group with Spain. Looked very impressive um, in the group stage. But the Ukrainians, they've come through, winning 2-1 in extra time. Uh, Zinchenko scored for the Ukrainians. You, you might know him from Manchester City as their left back. He opened the scoring for ML Forsberg. Continues great run um, for the Swedes, equalising. There was a red card, though, in extra time to Marcus Damason um, for the Swedes. He was sent off for a straight red. Um, and then in the 121st minute, the Swedes won it. Um, the, the Ukrainians won it. Sorry. Artin Dovik got a header, got up, and won it with pretty much the last kick of the game. So great to see the Ukrainians uh, going into the quarterfinals, Jono. Yeah, another um, thrilling extra time game uh, that got pushed into extra time. It was great to see. I mean, this had everything as well in terms of, you know, even going into this, yes, the Swedes were a little bit of the favorites, but you knew that this was going to be battle from the start. And that's exactly what it was. It was grinding out results. Um, that red card definitely changed, uh, I think, the momentum a little bit as well. And then in the end, that header at the end was just a perfectly placed ball into the box and then a perfectly ex- executed right header. Right ex- Yeah, exactly. So hats off to them. And, and as you said, it was literally right in the end of stoppage time as well. So it was almost there um, to go into a shootout. But great job for Ukraine to be able to battle through and, and get this result. You saw what it meant to them as well moving forward. Um, the emotions as soon as that final whistle went through, they were exhausted as well. So I really do hope that they can have a good recovery uh, these next couple of days and show and, and show up now as well and have a good performance moving forward. But um, yeah, hats off to them. Great grind out result. But Sweden as well, in my eyes, had a great tournament. I think that they, you know, they they did really good in that group stage, and they had a pretty good performance today. Um, I wouldn't take it too too much away from them, but um, yeah, hats off to both those teams for just another good end to end game in my eyes. Absolutely. So now, Jono, we move to the quarterfinals. We're down to eight teams. We'll start with uh, the side of the draw the Italians find themselves on, and it'll be Belgium versus Italy. Um, and I guess one of the first quarterfinals there. Big news out of the Belgium camp, though. No Kevin De Bruyne and no Eden Hazard. Jono, I think the Italians can do it. And obviously, it puts them firmly as favorites for this game without those two big players for uh, Belgium. Yeah, look, Belgium do, in my eyes, still have a lot of depth um, and a great squad, but can't go against my Italians right now. Um, I think that they're playing at a good level. And hopefully, uh, that Austria game as well showed them that they need to start putting away chances early in the game and not rely on that last-minute stitch effort. Um, so I'm going to back the Italians in this one. I'm going to go with Italy too. I think the losses of Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard are just going to be too much. I'd, I'd probably it'd be probably see Carrasco come in for Hazard, I'd say. Um, but we interesting to see what uh, Roberto Martinez does in the midfield to obviously replace that creativity that Kevin De Bruyne uh, brings. Obviously puts a little bit more pressure on Romelu Lukaku as well up front to deliver those goals for Belgium. But Hopefully, it should be a great game um, in that first quarterfinal. On the same side of the draw, Switzerland take on Spain. And you can't rule out the Swiss now after what <laughs> they've done against the French. And then, obviously, Spain have found their scoring. But this could be a great game, Jono. Yeah, this could be a cracking game because, as we saw, you're never going to rule out the Swiss until that final whistle is blown. Um, I, I think I, it looks like, um, you know, I like that Spain never really got their head down in that game. Um, so I'm going to back Spain in this. They found a bit of their scoring boots. I think that that goal really meant a lot to Murata as well in his confidence. 
So I think in this game as well, he's going to, he's going to get another goal. Uh, but look, I'm not saying anything against the Swiss now because I, I had France as an out and out favorite in that game. So I'm not going to bet against the Swiss, but I would say I lean a little bit towards Spain, but I'm not going to put it past the Swiss if they come back with another uh, breakout performance there. I'm going to go with Spain as well. The interesting thing would be also to see how the Swiss bounce back emotionally after such a high against the French. Can they back it up again against, again, a traditional powerhouse in Spain? So hopefully be another great game in that quarterfinal. On the other side of the draw, is it coming home? Quarterfinal, England play Ukraine in Rome. So interestingly, first game away from Wembley for England. So I'm interested to see how they perform away from home. But as Good as Ukraine have been, John, can you see? I can just can't see past the English in this one. Yeah, I, I don't think I can go past the English. And also for the reasons of the Ukrainian team just looked like they were just done after that game, that they put it all in getting that win. And so what, what are they going to have left? Whereas England have so much depth in that squad. You know, you, we, I feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface with them at times. Um, and each time that a different player gets the ability to play, it creates a, a, a whole different game for England. So, I, I mean, I can't see England messing this up. I, I, it's, it's theirs for the taking, basically. Um, it would only be their wrongdoing if they lose this game in my eyes. So I'm going to back England on this one. I'm going to go for England as well, Jono. And obviously, Harry Kane getting on the score sheet against Germany should give him a, a bit of confidence as well going to this game. So we could see Harry Kane... Are potentially adding to that goal tally for the tournament. In the last quarterfinal, we've got the Czech Republic against Denmark. Denmark, the fairy tale story of this tournament, everyone's second team, I think. And the Czechs obviously causing that boil over by beating the Dutch. And they've and they've been impressive this tournament, especially with Patrick Schick. So what are you expecting out of this game, Jono? Yeah, I think that this game is up for the taking, essentially. Um, I think the Czech, what they've showed us is that they can compete with anybody and they can compete at all different levels. Um and they're definitely a team that's going to grind out results. No matter what, you're not going to have an easy win against them. And then also as well from Denmark. I mean, I think that they're just playing for something else right now and they have a lot of heart and they're playing as a team. So, I mean, I definitely think that this game could go any which way, but I'm just going to, just because I want to keep the fairy tale going, I'm going to try and say I'm going to go for Denmark. Um, but uh, I wouldn't put it past this game going down to the end or even something like a shootout or something like that with this game because I think it's just going to be so close. It's just going to be a battle back and forth the whole time as well. I'm going to go for the Danes too. I just can't look past that fairy tale and, yeah. and keep it going. They've got such momentum at the moment, so it'd be great to see them make a run to the semifinal. But hopefully, Jono, if it's anything like the round of 16 have delivered, we're in for some games in the quarterfinals. Um, we tipped... Who we thought in the round of 16, we've already had some upsets. Who knows who's going to come out of the quarterfinals and make it to that semifinal, but all we do hope for some great football, some great moments, and obviously some great goals. So um, it all starts Saturday morning, Australian time, um, Italy, Belgium, with that massive one to, to kick off with. Um, and we'll see who uh, who's left standing in the last four. Yeah, I'm uh, just excited to see what's going to happen here because we've already seen a couple upsets and now we're going to see a couple more. Um, but great games to look at and back-to-back action. What more could you ask for? Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. Enjoy your European quarterfinal action over the weekend, guys, and we'll uh, be back next week. Thank you for your support and good night. <laughs>